That was the best of America. And anytime I see like news or read about just like just the division that we have and and things like that, uh, I just think back to that trip. And I know that a lot of those people were probably very different from me. Um, and maybe spiritually, maybe politically, definitely, um, you know, ethnically or racially. Hey folks, hope you are doing well. Uh, your esteemed host, Jason Dennis here, speaking to you from uh, Columbus, Georgia, where uh, summer has really kind of unofficially began even before Memorial Day because it is hot out here. It's going to be uh, highs in the... I think a high 90s this week, so getting pretty hot. And I got a treat for you today for the Run the Race podcast. Uh, a high school and college buddy, went to both schools with him in North Carolina. Hen Oi is my guest for today. Um, and you know, I haven't seen him much over the last decade or two, but uh, I thank goodness for Facebook, get a chance to keep up with him. He has a, uh, been a teacher and a wrestling coach in high school for the last 20 years. So we're going to talk about um, you know, his bicycling adventures as well uh, across the whole nation, going coast to coast at one point uh, in one trip. And uh, his 400-day current cardio streak, we'll tell you about what that means and, and how faith and Jesus play a role in his jobs as as a coach and teacher and some of his goals. Uh, also, um, you know, his he's uh, of, of Asian-American heritage, and he has a niece that actually just recently came out with a book called If We Die, We All Die Together. Um, him and his family were Cambodian refugees. He escaped when he was about a year and a half uh, old um, and uh, almost died coming to America. So he tells an amazing story there and, and about this book uh, about escaping where almost two million people died. Um, but uh, so glad that, that Hen and, and so many others did survive. Uh, just prayerfully, thank goodness uh, for that. And this is appropriate because this month of May, that we're kind of closing out soon, it is Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month, which recognizes the uh, contributions and influence of Asian Americans and, and Pacific Islander uh, to uh, American culture, which is you know very significant. We've, we've seen uh, some recent violence, uh, some hate crimes related to Asian Americans, and uh, including uh, a, a gunman killing eight people, most of them women of Asian descent, at uh, about three Atlanta-area massage businesses, spas, um, and I know it's been kind of making the national headlines, and so... That's something I talked to him about as well. But, you know, just talking about in the world today, we just need kindness. We just need, um, you know, people to love each other and not hate for the color of someone's skin or hate because somebody's different than us. Maybe they have a different religion or they come from a different background or whatever. And so so many things separate us. And uh, speaking of the word kindness, um, you know, it, that's kind of been a theme for, for my wife and I, our family lately. Um, we, you know, going through a lot of stuff as a lot of people are going through and just with our kids and, you know, teenagers and just a lot of things we're, we're dealing with and, and praying about and, and, and wishing and hoping and praying for breakthrough. But uh, just recently, uh, my wife has had several random acts of kindness done for her or to her, um, including she had someone uh, pay for about 20 bucks of her groceries that was right in front of her at the grocery store in the last week. Somebody paid for her Starbucks uh, when she was in line behind that person as well recently and had a guy kind of approach her in a parking lot, which can be kind of scary, had her roll down her window and just told her that that, that God loves her and that, that um, God's going to get us through. And so just, you know, uh, powerful things. And we actually just, it's funny, we just got a one of those tablets you put on your fridge for your know, notepads 
And the top of it is kind of our, our theme right now. Kindness is magic. So I'll say that again for you. Those three words, kindness is magic. And it can really can be. And the last thing of that, and this, and for my, you know, in my opinion, this is not coincidence. This is God kind of sending messages to us. We don't believe in like fortunes per se, but we got Chinese food over the weekend. And our fortune that we got, again, not a coincidence in my mind, it says, a simple kindness today will soon bring you unexpected rewards. A simple kindness. So uh, kindness that we can give to others, kindness that we get back just over and over again. And uh, so, and, and speaking of kindness, my friend, uh, Hen Oi, is one of the um, kindest people I've known for a while. We went to uh, uh, West Henderson High School together. He was a couple years behind me and then also went to the same school, Elon College in North Carolina. And uh, he was student body president when he was at uh, school with me in Hendersonville, North Carolina, which is in the mountains. And uh, he's, uh, you know, has ridden... 3,500 miles across the USA, Oregon to South Carolina. Did that back in 2010. So he's a big adventurer, backpacker, bicycler. Also did another bike ride across the Great Divide uh, about seven years ago. That was about 2,600 miles. And uh, we talked about his niece's book. He won a state championship all the way back in high school for cross country and wrestling. And now he is a wrestling coach and uh, a teacher. And he his, loves his job for the last 20 years. I had a chance to talk to him via Zoom. And uh, here's uh, what he says about a whole host of things as we kind of had a little reunion. Well, I'd like to welcome uh, Hen Oi to uh, the uh, podcast. Uh, thank you so much uh, for joining us, Hen, a, a good friend of mine from uh, for many years. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we haven't we haven't seen each other for it's been several years, right? It has been several years. I, I was trying to think about the last time we saw each other. I think it was um, when you came to see your mom and sister at church one time. Um, it has been a long time. And you're in Hendersonville, North Carolina, so maybe we can get you to come down here to hot, humid Georgia sometime for some biking or some running, right? Yeah, the humidity's hard, though, so um, <laughs> I, I like the mountains. It's cool here. Well, we're going to talk uh, a little bit about um, you had this 400-plus day cardio streak going on, so you, you, you're beating me so far on that. We're going to talk about that, your bicycling adventures, uh, thousands and thousands of miles, uh, some crazy things, and coaching wrestling for men and women uh, at, at a high school level. So uh, looking forward to talking to you about all those things. But one thing, uh, it is Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month, this whole month of May. And um, I, I know uh, as an Asian American yourself, and you have a niece that recently wrote a book called If We Die, We All Die Together, Fleeing Life Under the Khmer Rouge. Uh, and, and as a regime uh, that you know, was there in, uh, in Cambodia from the 1970s. So tell me about, um, you know, for you, uh, you know, this book and everything that's you know, been happening in the world today. You know, what are your thoughts? Um, let's see. I guess we'll start with the book. I actually have a copy right here. Um, of the book and uh, my niece years ago decided that she wanted to tell the story of our family um and our family we're cambodian refugees um i was born in cambodia i was about a year old when we left the country and she just thought it was important to tell her story so she started interviewing um family members who lived through the Khmer Rouge and who um could relay the story and share their experiences there and um, finally put it all together into a book last fall and published it on Amazon. And, um, and yeah, it's been 
great because I think it's an important story to tell. Um, I, you know, our family had a remarkable journey, but we were just one family. There are thousands of family like us that tried to make that trip out of Cambodia, try to come to a place where they, they could feel safe and they could raise a family. And I'm always reminded too, that, you know, just the situation's not a unique situation because we've got a refugee crisis, you know, in several places around the world today too. So we're, um, you know, hopefully our story can just let people in on the, on the reasons why people flee a place or um, the struggles that new people have in, in a country when they arrive there. So uh, how, how long, have, when, when, how old were you when you came to America? I was not quite two, I was just over a year old. Um, so born in Cambodia, learned to walk in a refugee camp, you know, and then um, showed up in Eastern Tennessee in the winter. Oh. So that was weird. Yeah. And this was, you know, it was, uh, you know, the, the estimates are for, for what was happening there in Cambodia, like a million and a half to two million people um, did not make it out. Their lives were lost. And, right. you know, part of your niece telling that story from your family's perspective, um, you know, what was it like, you know, I'm, I'm obviously you weren't you, you were too young to know. But now looking back now that you're in your 40s. You know, um, you know, what was it like, you know, and be able to escape and come to America, a place of freedom versus what was happening where you were born? Um, just a reminder of how fortunate I am and how fortunate our family are was to make it out. Because just like you said, you know, a million and a half people did not make it. And they um, many of them tried. And we were just um, blessed and fortunate to be able to get out. Um, you know, I'm, I'm blessed to be here. Um, the story, the, the, the book talks about how sick I was as a child and how close I was to dying. And, you know, the, the, the fact that I was almost given away to a Thai family just to give me a chance at a, um, at a life if, if we ever were captured as a family there. So, uh, you know, it was just a reminder of how fortunate I have been and um, how many people were not as fortunate as me and my family. And, and looking back on that, you know, that you were, you know, almost given to another family, you know, um, barely made it to America, perhaps, you know, does that for you, um, is that grow your faith? I, I know that, you know, you're, you're a Christian believer like I am. Does that something that really is, like you said, that gratefulness that, you know, God allowed, you know, you to, to you know, escape harm there? Yeah, um, you know, my when I look back, I just see God's hand in everything um, there, and um, I, I really do think that there there is a purpose. Um, I, I think we all have a purpose, but um, I, I think God chose me for a reason, and um, I'm just trying. I don't know exactly what that reason is. I'm just trying to um, be the best servant I can be. I'm trying to live the best life for others that I can. Um, and just give back in in a way that um, kind of shows my gratitude just for this opportunity at life here. Your, your purpose is to mold these young men and women into amazing wrestlers, right? <laughs> part of your purpose. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I think that is part of my purpose, and that you know that that is in a sense my ministry is just 
spending every day with kids and trying to be a good example and teach them how to um, be good um, servants to each other in the community. Yeah. And one more, you know, thing on this kind of a very serious, heavy topic, you know, um, even here, you know, down the road from us in Atlanta, um, there's been recent, you know, uh, Asian hate crimes. And there's been talk about that, um, you know, in national headlines. Mm-hmm. For you, when you see that, um, being somebody that's a Cambodian uh, native, um, what goes through your mind? I mean, do, do you have, do you talk to friends about this, about your experiences and, and how you're feeling about this? Um, you know what? I have talked to friends and I'm very grateful for a close group of friends who, um, when the tragedy in Atlanta happened, they reached out to me and they just said, hey, I'm thinking about you and your family. And that just, that meant a lot, you know, but um, it's just a reminder that there are um, a lot of obstacles that Asian Americans in this country have had to overcome and continue to have to overcome, um, you know, and the the way that some people have looked at COVID has not helped the situation in the last year or so, but, um, you know, it it's it's been it's been hard for a lot of people talking with family members um talking with um other friends there that they they've really struggled with how to how to deal with this new anxiety because there has been a rise in um attacks on asian americans here in the united states yeah definitely our our heart goes out to everybody affected by that for sure and and um, the book, uh, If We Die, We All Die Together, uh, by Kim Keen, came out December of, of last year. It's available on Amazon, only $9. So, I mean, it's, it's a great to kind of get that perspective that maybe a lot of us don't have. So uh, I appreciate her sharing that with us. Um, well, we want to um, get to know you a little bit better, Hen. Uh, I know you and I, uh, you know, went to high school together uh, t- <clears throat> 20, 30 years ago. <laughs> And then went to Elon College, yeah. now known as Elon University together. We, we've, we've gotten a little older since then. But um, the fast forward, mm-hmm. kind of some rapid fire, getting to know you. Um, what is your current job description at work and also at home? Ooh, uh, at, at work, I am a history teacher. I teach world history and human geography at North Henderson High School in Hendersonville, North Carolina. I'm also the wrestling coach um, there, the head wrestling coach. Been doing both of those roles for about 20 years, right out of Elon there. So that's um, that's become sort of my identity is, um, you know, coach, teacher. And um, that's that's what the people at the at the donut shop call, shop call me. They call me coach when I walk in. So um, it's pretty <laughs> it's pretty cool. Um, but um, yeah, so that's my that's my role at work. Um, at, at home, I just kind of hang out, um, work around the house, get on my bike and ride a bunch. Um, anytime I'm, I can be outside and in the woods, I am pretty happy um, there. Yeah. So um, work keeps me busy, but I, you know, I also play hard. Cool. And I, speaking of that, playing hard and fitness, uh, what do you do on a regular basis like to stay physically fit? Do you have like a, a weekly routine? Um, I don't have like a training plan. I just, you know, get on a bike and ride. Um, and that's, that's what I do is like, okay, um, weather looks good tomorrow. Let's, let's go on a bike ride. Um, so I picked up running about a year and a half ago. Um, always hated running, but started running a little bit. So now I've incorporated a little bit of running into my cardio and 
which is nice because sometimes it's it's just not feasible to ride a bike. I'll, I'll run in the rain, but I don't want to ride a bike in the rain. <laughs> exactly. Um, so uh, do you have, we talked about faith earlier a little bit, but do you have a particular spiritual motto or mantra, something you live by, or it could be a favorite verse? Um, uh, my favorite verse is Romans 8, 38, 39, and it just talks about that nothing can separate us from the love of God um, there. And I first read that verse in college and um, still trying to grow as a believer and just this idea that, you know, angels or demons or anything I do um, cannot separate me from God's love has always encouraged me. And, um, you know, knowing that I'm going to fail and knowing that um, people are going to let me down and I'm probably going to let God down a lot has, um, has really encouraged me. So that's, that's kind of my go-to verse there. That's right. Nothing separates us. That's great. Um, and the last one of the fast four is, uh, what is something unique about Hen Oi? Oh, what is something unique? That's a hard. I know. That, I know. That's, that's a hard one. I, you know, if you, I guess I if you that, ask I know my you've friends, got, you've, got, you've gone on these come these crazy rides that nobody's ever done. Well, not nobody, but none none of us have ever done. Maybe they're listening. <laughs> yeah, if you ask my friends, I guess um, they and I've already, I already get this question. They're like, well, "Okay, what's your next trip?" You know, I um, I guess I'm an, an adventurer. Um, my background is the Faroe Islands. A trip I took. A couple years ago by myself and, and um, just hitchhiked around the islands there. So um, I'll, I'll go do, I, I don't take normal vacations um, on cruise lines or to Disney's. I'm, I'm usually like hiking over a mountain or riding a bicycle, um, you know, for a couple of days or something like that. And in, in fact, we've got you on Zoom right now. Your background is a place where you hitchhike. Tell me about wh wh what we're seeing right here, those that are watching the video on our website. Yeah, so this is um, the, the Faroe Islands. Um, and where is that at? There. I can't uh, the Faroe Islands are in the North Atlantic, about halfway between Scotland and Iceland. Um, gotcha. It's a Danish um, uh, under the Danish flag, although they have independence there, but um, just saw it on a, I don't know where I saw it on a website or something like that. I was like, oh, that looks really cool. Um, and so, so I, I made my way there a couple of years ago, spent a few days in Iceland, but really spent about 10 days in the Faroes, just, um, yeah, camping next to the ocean and um, trying to find my way around the islands and stuff like that. Um, That's, that fantastic sounds very, place. Highly sounds recommend it. Sounds very exciting. <laughs> it, it, it was. It was. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. And speaking of exciting, you know, I, you and I talked about this, you know, on the phone, but um, how, um, you know, I've got this running streak going on right now. First time I've ever done one, do at least a mile. And um, so I'm, I'm at, I think, 375 days now. And so you have what, mm -hmm. we're call, what we call a cardio streak. It's been going on for, is it 400 days or more than that now, right? Tell me about it. I don't know exactly how many days um, it began on March 9th, 2020, though. Um, and so that that was right before we went into um, stay at home orders here in North Carolina. And so I was already working out. And then we I, I, I went home for a weekend, did a bike ride and then got done with my bike ride and just got the message that 
um, there's no more school. Um, everybody was staying at home and it's like, oh, what do I do now? And so tried virtual teaching, but we were done at like noon. So I just had a lot of free time. So I just started riding my bike after lunch and things like that. And, um, and it was a good outlet. I had a couple friends locally who could ride or run with me. So I got enough um, social interaction outside that I felt good. Um, and, and then I just went back to my, my house and hung out and um, there. So it was just a good outlet for me physically and um, mentally while we were uh, in lockdown. Yeah. So how many how many days are you going to take this to? You have a goal or now that you're up to, you know, more than a year, I mean, you've got to keep going, right? Yeah, I, I it, eventually it's going to have to end um, there. But right now I'm just like whenever I can, uh, I'm going to try to keep it going for, for for a few more months. I don't I don't have like a end date or anything like that. But um, fortunately, I've taken good care of my body. And, um, you know, that's that's what I'm trying to avoid is overuse. And, but I've been, I've been really smart and being able to switch up between riding and running has helped me um, stay, stay healthy too. So what are the rules for this cardio? You, you were telling me that in terms of how much either running or biking you do every day? Yeah, so uh, minimum 10 to 12 minutes of running um, there. So, and then um, the goal on if I'm riding is 20 minutes to, for it to count. Gotcha. So it's one or the other, or sometimes you'll do both in a day. Sometimes I'll do both. There are many days where, where I did both or, or I did two rides just because I got done with the ride and somebody else wanted to ride. I was like, okay, let's go. So. Um, so take me back. Let's go. Let's go back in time a little bit. Not not back to the '90s when we were in high school and college. Not that far back. But let's go back in time to 2010. Uh, just about you know mm-hmm. a little bit more than a decade ago. Uh, you uh, did this coast to coast bicycle ride. Tell me about that. How you, why, and how you decided to do it, and what the what the plan was. Hmm. Well, um, first of all, if we go back a little bit, I just want everybody to know that. Uh, Jason Dennis looks the same now than he did as he did in um, college. So, so do you. To, so do you. Uh, shout out y'all, to Jason. Y'all, y'all, y'all uh, look, we, we look the same. We might as well just, it's like we, we uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. We just, you know, just transported, you know. <laughs> yeah. But um, as far as 2010 goes, um, you know, I've, I've always wanted to do something big. And in college, it was the Appalachian Trail. And that just never worked out. I was like, ah, oh, that takes too long. And. Um, got into riding and um, decided, like, said, you know, it'd be really cool to ride across the country. And I didn't know that I could actually do it. And the summer before, a friend and I went up to Alaska and we did um, five days touring around Alaska on bikes and um, around the southern part of Alaska in, Utah, in the Yukon. And it was super fun. Looking back, we did everything wrong, had the wrong kind of bikes, packed the wrong kind of things, um, um, but still had a blast in there. And I was like, you know what? I, I think I can do this. Next summer, I'm going to ride my bike across the country. And um, so I kind of loosely planned for a year in um, summer of 2010. Um, was ready to go. And so I said, let's give it a shot. And this was 3,500 miles total, is that right? Something like that. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was, uh, I don't remember the ex- exact total, but started in Cannon Beach, Oregon, and I ended in 
um, Charleston, Folly Beach, um, South Carolina there. Wow. So, I mean, what was that like? And, and, and I mean, did it, it was it, it took you, I'm sure, quite a bit of time. I mean, was that tiring, exhilarating, kind of seeing the country on your bicycle? It seems very, you know, kind of uh, just, I don't know, uh, kind of a unique thing, obviously. Yeah, you know what? There's, um, first of all, it's a different way to see the country. You see, smell, and meet um, different people um, traveling on a bicycle than you do in a car um there you, and you, just, you smell every, everything's different <laughs> yeah well they, they smell me but uh, I, I guess i meant to say you the, the sights and the smells that you experience um you know on a bicycle are very different from being in like an air-conditioned car um there but really it was jason it was like a kind of a transcendental moment for me when i as i was making my way across um physically it i was lucky i didn't have any issues there um and and if when people ask if the trip was hard um it was never hard because i i don't think i pedaled hard enough for it to be hard i was just steady but it was the people i met and you know everybody was so gracious everybody was so kind random strangers would invite me into their homes and say don't sleep outside i've got a bed you know, um, I, how many meals were bought for me um, along the way and, um, you know, people uh, sending me things that I lost on the side of the road. And it, it was just like that was the best of America. And anytime I see like um, news or read about just like just the division that we have and and things like that. I just think back to that trip, and I know that a lot of those people were probably very different from me, um, and maybe spiritually, maybe politically, definitely, um, you know, ethnically or racially. Um, but it didn't matter; they were all kind to me, and um, and so I I just think that we we as a whole are better than what we see sometimes in um, in what's displayed to us. And then um, four or five years later, uh, you do this um, 2,600 mile bike ride. So not, I mean, almost the same distance or just about a thousand miles shy, uh, mountain bike ride across the Great Divide. So um, this was from um, two weeks from Canada and then all the way to the, I think the U.S.-Mexico border, is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. So, so what was- was that uh, a lot different, or what was the? I guess what was the, um, the reason for that? Um, the reason for that that there is a route called the Great Divide Mountain Bike Route that um, was mapped out years ago by Adventure Cycling, and um, and and now it's a race. So uh, I watched the documentary um, Ride the Divide, and. Um, and those guys were trying to race it. And I was like, that looks so cool. I have no plans to race it, but I want to ride that route. And so it, and it was another challenge. And I was like, okay, I went coast to coast. Now can I do it through um, bear country, um, crossing the continental divide, you know, um, two dozen times or however many times there. And, um, and so, yeah, pull, was able to pull it off. And it was, it was another just, fantastic trip where again everybody was so kind and so generous and um people just looked after me along along the way there 
Now, I did both of those trips solo, and um, a lot of people always ask, well, did you get lonely, you know? And being an introvert, I, I, I kind of like that alone time, but I was never alone because people always wanted to talk to you. People always wanted to ask how your trip was going. People always wanted to make sure that you're okay. So, you know, while I was alone, I was never lonely because, um, uh, you know, whenever you got into a town, there was always people wanting to help you there. So it was really cool. Yeah. Now the two quick questions I have about these, these rides that you do, 2,500, 3,500 miles. How many miles are you averaging per day on the bike? And then two, where or how do you sleep? <laughs> Hotel, um, uh, camping? Guess, or? Yeah. Um, as far as mileage goes, you know, the first trip I was probably averaging a little over 70 miles a day. And then, um, and then the Great Divide, around 60, 65 um, there. And as far as sleeping, it just depends. Most nights were camping, um, whether it was in a campground or whether it's just like behind a tree or um, in Missouri, I just camped at the fire station in this little town there. So um, outside the fire station. But uh, so most nights it was camping because that was just the most cost efficient way um, there. Uh, a lot of nights it was people who, you know, took me in or housing around along the route that was set up for cyclists there um, or friends that I met along the way or met me along the way. Um, and we just stayed in a hotel or whatever like that. Um, so, but I would say probably about 70, 75% of the nights were in a tent. Wow. Wow. I, I, it's, you know, I, it's uh, more power to you on that one because uh, I like to, <laughs> I like my bed. So, and, and, you know, I, I'm not sure do your, do your students, or the, the wrestlers on your team, do they know about, you know, Hinoi's exploits? I mean, they, they must think, you know, this is a bad man right here, you know? Yeah, they, um, most most of my students know about it, so, um, and just, just word of mouth, live in a small town, so, and I, by now, a lot of my students, I've, I've taught their siblings and things like that, so they, they know what to expect when they get to my class, and they kind of know who i am if you're teaching like you know like repeated people or maybe one day you'll be teaching their kids say that we're all getting older here right <laughs> well that's already jason that's already happened so we oh, are my goodness. a reminder how, how how long i've been doing it but it's also a great reminder of like uh to me like how great this community is that like, they hired me right out of college i had no idea what i was doing um and and the reason I'm still here is just, it's been a great school that's supported me. It's been a great community um, to work in. And so I, I just love where I teach and where I work. And, um, and if I didn't, I, I think I would be somewhere else. But this, this has been really good for me. And you talked about, you know, being grateful for a great job, um, you know, in this community and in, in, in Hendersonville and West uh, West, Western mountains of North Carolina, uh, and also grateful for being able to do these rides and, and different things, seeing the country. And um, do you kind of, you know, kind of step back from your life sometimes and think, you know, man, God, you know, I, it could have been a whole different direction. We talked about earlier, you being in Cambodia, but do you kind of think, you know, like, like, do you, do you talk to God about this and say, man, I, I can't believe I, I don't deserve this? Um, yeah, I just, I think I look back and just, and I, I use the word grateful so much, um, grateful that 
God had a hand in everything and that um, things didn't go the way I wanted to um, there. And, and um, I, I've been disappointed a lot in my life, but I can see why um, there. Jason, I went to Elon. I don't know if you even know this. I, I didn't. Elon was like my fourth choice of colleges there. But it, it was it was totally a God thing. And I reluctantly stopped on the way to visit UNC. And um, and I had a visit. And um, after that visit, uh, that was it. I knew I was going to go to Elon, you know, and, um, you know, getting the teaching fellows was was a blessing. That was a scholarship I didn't even apply for, or didn't even want to apply for. But uh, Greg Price said, you should just apply for it anyway. You know, you, you don't have to take it, you know, and that was the only way I could afford Elon. So all these things fell into place and none of it was because um, I was smart or anything like that. It was just um, God putting the right people in, in my path. Yeah. And, and as you've gotten older, you know, um, and, you know, been doing this job for 20 years, do you, do you has your faith changed or, you know, because obviously, you know, you were growing in your faith in college, you know, uh, 20 something years ago, and we were involved in, you know, intervarsity and different things like that. But do you, have you seen your, has your faith changed in terms of like, it, as you've matured? I, I think definitely my faith, faith is always evolving and changing and what I learn about, um, God constantly, um, changes my faith a little bit there. Um, you know, but the one constant is that um, God is great, God is love, and, um, and God is always present there. So God, God doesn't change, but um, the, the way I view God and the way I trust God um, and, you know, um, or the way I don't trust God sometimes, you know, um, that, that is constant change because, um, you know, we go through different things in our lives, but, you know, but God has always been present and he, uh, and that, that foundation, that, that rock has always been good for me. Yeah. And I'm sure God has given you immense patience, uh, as a teacher for two decades. Um, so you probably need that. I, um, so, uh, what's that I, been like? I mean, I need a little more though. You need a little more <laughs> so you don't snap at them, yeah. you know, now that you're going, maybe we're going back in person for school. So um, obviously you talked to me about your journey into being a teacher, kind of that wasn't maybe their first direction, but uh, you obviously love it and teaching history and geography. Uh, what about the wrestling aspect of it? I know you were a wrestler in, in high school and you, I think, did other sports like cross country. So you're still kind of doing mm -hmm. those things now. But um, so was that something you always kind of like really felt like a passion for, like I want to coach other wrestlers, you know, teach them what I learned and, and kind of have that desire to kind of mold uh, these young athletes? Yeah, you know, I love the sport of wrestling. There's not a lot of ways you can continue to do wrestling after um, you compete unless you are coaching uh, or maybe officiating the sport. Um, you know, there it's growing now, but especially when we were younger, there wasn't like, um, you know, wrestling clubs and just um you know a lot of wrestlers going to um mma and things like that too but i you know i just wanted to i love the sport i want to be in the sport but i also wanted to coach because um when i came through my coaches made the biggest difference in my life you know and uh jeff smith who was my wrestling coach at west Anderson, one of my biggest influences still a good friend of mine and uh, you know, I just thought that that would be 
a way for me to do something I love and also give back um, the same way that a lot of people poured into me. So, and, um, and it's been really cool. I, I built great relationships, coaching, you know, we've, we've had good success as a team, but I, the thing I enjoy the most is just seeing our kids grow and, and, having this these relationships getting invited to their weddings um you know getting to hold their now they're having babies there uh my assistant wrestling coach wrestled for me um jason he also went to elon he's an elon <laughs> grad uh but, he, uh but he wrestled for me and now uh now he's been my assistant for um about nine years now and it's just um and and we're best friends. Um, we're great friends. He asked me to be in his wedding coming up. And, you know, it's just, uh, it's just been really cool to be, um, to be a part of so many people's lives. Yeah. yeah. And this is at North Henderson High School. So go Knights, right? Mm -hmm. um, even though you, you went to West Henderson, you know, you're, you're North Henderson through and through now, right? Yeah, it was a little weird at the beginning. You know, I was like, okay, uh, purple that's a dumb color and things like that <laughs> um and but now now i've gotten to where i like purple um and i still pull for west henderson in um unless they play us there and um and it's again it's a nice rivalry it's really um I've been doing this for a long time too. And so you get to know a lot of people, but I, we were at West a week and a half ago for our dual match. And, um, some, some friends just came over and said hi and said, this is my least favorite match of the year because they want West to win, but they want me to have success too. And it's just, um, it's just fun. And something that's kind of unique, or maybe it's a, a growing trend around the country, is I believe you have at least six or maybe even up to eight girls on your wrestling team yeah. at high school. And so the goal or maybe the the uh, plan is to have an all-girls wrestling team next year. Is that something that, I mean, you maybe never thought was going to happen? Um, yeah. So we've, you know, we have eight girls on our roster right now. Um, Girls wrestling is growing. There are over 30 states that have sanctioned girls wrestling at the high school level. North Carolina is not one yet, but we're trying to move into that direction. Um, there's a couple of like benchmarks we've got to meet before the state will sanction it. And um, but we're we're proud at North Henderson to be like one of the schools that is trying to be in the front of um, girls wrestling there. And I told my girls that if they can continue to recruit. We'll create a separate schedule for the girls' team next year. So um, the most I've ever had was four on the roster, but we've got we've got eight, which in the middle of a pandemic is is pretty good. And our girls are awesome. They work hard. They never complain. They're tough, um, but they're also like funny and um, energetic, and they just bring this um, this cool energy and vibe to the team positivity to the team that um that's different from what my boys bring so it's really neat now is it girls wrestling girls i assume that or, or is it is there co-ed competitions so there are there there are co-ed competitions mostly just because the number of girls is so small um and so as girls grow we're going to create more um girls only events and that's what i that's what I hope to tell um, my girls next year when we create a schedule is that the schedule will be for them to wrestle only girls, which means we may have to travel out of state or we may have to travel far, 
Um, but um, and that's going to recruit and hopefully get more girls to come out because um, the most of the girls on my roster they don't have a problem wrestling boys. They just know it's a reality. But um, if I can tell other girls that they only have to wrestle people um, of their gender, then they will be like, okay, I can do that, um, and they'll be more comfortable coming out. And I I think that will grow our numbers. Yeah, and, and hopefully people won't take this the wrong way. But so are kind of boys or girls when they have to wrestle somebody of the opposite sex, whether it be practice or a match, is there kind of a, you know, a, um, are they uncomfortable with that? Or is that something that now that's just part of the sport? Um, I, there are still there are people who are uncomfortable with it. And then other people just deal with it um, or they have to overcome their discomfort and it, it is going to be better when um, when the boys don't have to wrestle the girls because it is kind of a lose-lose situation for the guy I mean you know um, if if you lose to a girl then there's that issue um, you know fair or unfair you know um, and if you beat a girl then there, that's another set of issues. So the the boys in a catch twenty two. Although I will say this, um, there is, you know, there are some girls, and I've I've got a, a girl or two on my roster too that, um, boy or girl, whoever her opponent is, can't take her lightly. She's she's tough, and she she will um, she'll go after you whether it doesn't matter if you're a boy or a girl. And she's um, she's beaten a couple of boys this year too. So. Um, yeah, you can't look past them because they're a girl. Yeah, and and you can't can't take Coach Hen lightly either. So do you, you know, uh, get? I mean, you're you know, uh, thirty years older than maybe some of your uh, team, your people on your team. But are you do you get down there and wrestle with them as well, or you're standing back and just watching? Um, I still did, I still teach a lot of technique as far as just getting in there and wrestling. Um, I've taken a little step back trying to protect my back and neck a little bit i've had some in been good for a couple of years but i'm trying to take care of my um uh neck and you know, it's just part of getting old i guess there um so <laughs> but uh but sometimes i can't help it i just want to get in there and compete and, um, and i i can hold my own for a little bit but then i start getting tired um there and those guys well, i tell them that that if they don't beat me in the first minute then um uh, it's a, then it's a draw the match it's a draw. Yeah. So. <laughs> and speaking of you know injuries, back or neck or whatever else, I mean, people maybe that are listening or watching, and they know that you would do all this, the bike riding, you know, and the streak you got going on, and you know, you're in your in your forties like I am. So, what do you do to? I mean, have you had a lot of injuries where you've kind of had bicycle wipeouts, or have you felt? Have you been pretty fortunate? Is there a reason why maybe you haven't been injured as much? Um, what I think two things, uh, God's been looking after me. Um, and I think partly wrestling has helped, um, because it teaches you how to fall and land. And, um, I, I have taken a lot of falls, um, on my mountain bike, including one last week, not a big one, but I, you know, definitely wiped out last week also. And I have come away with scratches with sticks in my face um and um, bruises and things like that but nothing major nothing dislocated nothing broken and so i've been um i've been very blessed in that sense there 
Any future goals, uh, dreams? I mean, any other epic bike rides you have planned or running a marathon or, or uh, anything like that? Oh, I have no plans to run a marathon. I'm leaving <laughs> that for you, Jason. No, let's, let's, so, let's come on. Let, we, let's uh, do it sometime. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I'm going to, I'm going to top my running at 10 K, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm always thinking of, I'm always thinking of stuff that would be fun to do. It's just a matter of like, um, biting the bullet and, and doing it. But I've really just enjoyed doing as far as cycling, just doing short local trips around here, um, there, but I'm really excited for the opportunity to travel abroad again. Um, as, as countries open back up, that's one thing I have missed and I hope to be able to do it. Um, tentatively planning to go to Southeast Asia June of 2022. So, um, and maybe, maybe I'll buy a cheap bike out there and ride it around for a week or so. So we'll see. Yeah. Have you, have you been back to Cambodia? Um, or are you, have you I mean, in terms of, you know, where you were born? No, I have not. And that's, um, that was my goal for last summer. And I was, just about to like start shopping for plane tickets for the summer um and then everything shut down uh, so of course i didn't get to go last summer and um and the book came out and and it just reminded me that i really need to make it back and i need to go and um and just experience this i'm one of the last adults in my family who's not been back there so it, it's it's time for me to go yeah and i know obviously you know the pandemic has been really difficult on all of us and you know you teach virtually and maybe some in person and it's kind of this weird mishmash so for for you as you know uh, a teacher a coach a christian a, a, a friend a son you know all those things what has the pandemic taught you you think or what, what what's come out of this last 15 months for you so many uh lessons there i think one big takeaway is that um i wasn't taking good care of myself um just um taking work home staying up late grading um trying to manage teaching and coaching also um working at the church and and things like that when we shut down and i just stopped um doing a lot of things um, my body felt better, my mind felt better, and um, I just realized that I was probably taking on too much. So it helped me reassess some things. I realized that um, I can't go all the way to zero, but I, I needed to cut some things out of my life, which is really hard because I felt I feel like I'm doing a lot of things that are important or useful, um, but I just wasn't, I was just doing too many things there. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's the the power of the word no, right? I mean, you know, and God yeah. says no to us all the time, right? <laughs> right, and 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 it, um, I'm a people pleaser, so I, I it's hard for me to say it's hard for me to say no, and um, and that's one thing I'm pushing myself to do more. It's just like, I can't do that, you know. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you setting aside some time saying yes to me for the uh, for the interview. I, I saw you, you know, we keep each, we up with each other on Facebook, but I really I was like I saw that you talked about that book 
and all this bike riding that uh, I'm going to stick to running. I guess you're going to stick to your long <laughs> mileage biking. So we'll uh, maybe we'll come yeah. together sometime on that. So um, also what I usually close the podcast with a prayer. And so if you don't mind, I- I'd love for him for you to pray us out. Sure. I'll, I'll be glad to. And um, dear Lord, thank you for this opportunity for um, me to spend some time with my friend Jason, but also just to um, chat and share my story. And um, thank you for the ones who are listening. Thank you for Jason and just his ministry and his love for you and um, just his positivity. I just see that um, he has influenced so many people where he's at. And I can I ask that you continue to bless him and his job and his family there. Um, thank you for this time together and um, appreciate everything that you do for all of us um, there. And as I said, you know, grateful, all gratitude um, is for you, Lord. And um, we love you. In your name pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Hen. I appreciate it. I'll. Uh, you, you've had a, you've had a long day. This is this is a busy week for you, right? With uh, teaching and wrestling. This is the end of the school year now. So I, I'm sure you're. Are you excited? <laughs> or are you gonna Are you gonna miss it? <laughs> uh, uh, everything. Every everything. I told my students today how excited I am for summer, but also, and it's this way every year too. But how how sad I am because I am gonna miss my students. Um, I'm, I'm so proud of them because it, it, this year has been hard on not just academically, but, uh, emotionally and spiritually and mentally. And, and my students have been tough and they've persevered and, uh, yeah, so excited for a break, but, um, we'll, we'll miss the people that, that has, have struggled with me every single day because a lot of days have been struggles, but we've made it through together. So. Well, I'll I'll, uh, I'll definitely see you next time I'm up in uh, Hendersonville, North Carolina, for sure. Yeah, and it, it, when I'm down in Columbus, I will try to hit you up. Yeah, come come down to Atlanta anytime. Yeah, and where if you want to meet up to run a marathon, or you know, or, or you can uh, you can bike alongside <laughs> me. <laughs> there, there you go. I'll be your All pacer. Right. I'll be your rabbit. There. No, All I'll, right. we'll t- I'll take it. All right, thanks, and appreciate it. Okay. Thank, thanks, Jason. God see bless. You. I really appreciate uh, seeing uh, Hen on Zoom. I'm going to hopefully put that whole interview, the whole video that you can watch on our website soon, wtvm.com slash podcast. And, of course, you can listen to any of the previous 66 episodes there as well. Are we on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Apple, where you can uh, shoot us a quick review at the bottom of the Run the Race page there. Uh, but it was great talking to Hen. Uh, he uh, is looking forward to some uh, great adventures in the near future. And uh, he uh, has a group of riding buddies, uh, I believe, called Team Scar. So uh, I know he's done some, had some bumps and bruises along the way of his bicycling. He also did a self-supported bike tour in Nova Scotia and also, uh, you know, rides in Colorado and Iowa. So uh, looking forward to some, uh, I'm sure he's got some things up his sleeve as uh, it is now summertime. Um, sees, since he's off work a little bit uh, in between school and uh, wrestling seasons. Now to our final segments of the podcast, we're talking about uh, Asian Americans and fitness and also some uh, a parting gift, uh, some uh, a double dose of inspiration.
This article I found uh, comes from Men's Health, but it's written by a female, Gina Bontempto, and uh, it's uh, called, Why Aren't There More Asian Americans in Fitness? It's talking about cultural expectations and stereotypes that maybe can keep Asian Americans out of the gym, and, and obviously that can impact their health as well. So this uh, young lady, she uh, was she's Asian American, the one who's writing this. She said she was a piano prodigy in Georgia as a child, and which she said was an Asian American's uh, mother's dream. She performed with the Savannah Symphony Orchestra when she was 12, a straight-A student, everything like that. And so it was really kind of something that she was, quote, supposed to do. But after college, and uh, she wanted to help others with their health. And so she jumped in as a hot yoga teacher. And uh, it was a great accomplishment. But she said in her mother's eyes, it was a disappointment. Um, so, you know, she, you know, her mom wanted her to seize every opportunity since they came, you know, from South Korea. Um, so for her, you know, it was important though, to kind of change the narrative, change the story, um, uh, because, you know, the, the numbers kind of bear it out that, that less than 2% of male athletes that are in NCAA sanctioned sports are Asian and Asians make up about almost 6% of the U S population. So those numbers don't necessarily match up. Um, so, and, and the, the author, uh, Ms. Bontemp in Men's Health says that, uh, you know, for her Asian mother, security and success was the, the priority. That was the wish. And fitness kind of takes a back seat. So that, that study that I referred to with those numbers says that Asian Americans are less likely to meet basic U.S. guidelines for weekly physical activity than other racial and ethnic groups. So maybe they're not expected to or pushed or motivated to go to the gym as much. Um, and so, um, you know, when you don't see anyone, she said, the author says, that looks like you on the field or of play or, or in the gym, she says, kind of, why bother trying? And uh, the last thing here is, you know, you have Confucian ethics and you have scholars at the top of the food chain, all that kind of stuff. It's a recipe for potentially long-term health issues, uh, specifically for Asian Americans. So she's really trying to put it out there that, listen, going to the gym, being fit should be a priority. Now to our parting gift, we'd like to inspire you as we close out this Run the Race podcast. Um, we got two things for you here. I, I thought uh, in, in, in honor of uh, you know a- Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month as we close this out, and important to really focus on that, uh, there's a Chinese proverb that says, failure is not falling down, but refusing to get up. Because we're all going to fail. Sometimes we're scared to take take risks and do things because we don't want to fail. But um, you know, we're all going to fall down repeatedly. You know, weekly, daily, whatever. But it's refusing to get up. So you always need to continue to get up, fight, fight, fight uh, for what you believe in. And the other one's from Bruce Lee, uh, martial arts uh, superstar, um, on the big screen and 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 behind the scenes as well. Bruce Lee says, "Quote." Do not pray for an easy life. Pray for the strength to endure a difficult one. And so uh, there you go. It, it's it's Life's not going to be easy. It says in the Bible that we're going to bear troubles, especially if you're a Christian. Uh, so you just need to pray for the strength to endure a difficult one, and God can give us that strength. And we appreciate uh, our guest, Hen, uh, speaking of prayer, closing us out in prayer uh, earlier. And uh, thank you so much for joining us on the Run the Race podcast. If you missed the last episode, we had a a 90-year-old who is, uh, speaking of going to the gym, he goes every weekday uh, pretty much his entire life, um, and he motivates others that are, you know, half his age or younger. And so you want to hear that conversation uh, with uh, the former uh, Army uh, hero, 
uh, that a 90 year old. It's just amazing. I'm, I'm half his age. Um, and thank you again to Hen for, uh, for joining us. Looking forward to seeing him in person as things open up a little bit more with COVID. And as I go back and maybe to visit my roots in North Carolina until next time, hope you guys have a very blessed rest of your week.